Howdy, folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb, and it is my pleasure to be bringing Laura Wells to this conversation. A reminder that on A Green Way Forward, this is the program where we look at issues and events, but specifically through the lens of the four pillars of the International Green Party movement, peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. On this program, Laura Wells will be joining us to talk about her unique campaign for Congress in California, District 13 against Barbara Lee. Laura has a long history as a social change agent and a Green Party organizer. Let's bring her right into the conversation. Laura Wells, welcome to A Green Way Forward. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be here. So, Laura, I've known you for a long time. You first came onto my uh, radar as a local Green Party organizer in the Alameda County, Berkeley, Oakland area. But then uh, you ran for governor. Uh, You've run for state comptroller uh, and had the benefit of getting the most votes for anybody besides Ralph Nader until Jill Stein in 2016. Uh, You've been a fearless advocate for public banking, for getting public publicly funded elections, getting corporate money out of the elections. But I, what I'd love to do is give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the viewers slash listeners of A Green Way Forward. Well, so as David said, I'm Laura Wells and I'm running for Congress and that's District 13 in California, which is Berkeley, Oakland and the surrounding smaller cities. So it's a very progressive district, and I'm running against arguably the most progressive congressperson in the country, which is Barbara Lee. The reason for that is, bottom line, we need to raise our expectations of what we can expect from our government. And so we need to do, I believe, whatever it is that we can to raise our expectations, raise that consciousness, let people know that there's, that we have much more power than we've been using. And when we use that power, we can have some basics that we've gotten used to not having. And so that's why in this very progressive district, I live in Oakland, uh, and as I said, it's Berkeley, Oakland, that it's important to show the distinction between the progressive Democratic Party, what they're able to do, whatever's in their heart to do, they can't always do, but what they're able to do is so diminished by the fact that they're funded by the billionaires and their corporations. The Greens never take corporate money, never take money from developers, and the billionaires certainly don't give it to us because they understand that when we get elected, we're actually going to stay the course. And, you know, Laura, it's interesting because Greens have been governing at the local and county level very successfully. There's been over a thousand elected Greens. Uh, we win about 45 percent of the local uh, races that we run in. So this this uh, idea that Greens only run for president or Congress is simply not true. Uh, you've you have been uh, a longtime Green Party organizer. I'm going to push you a little bit and ask you to help. Uh, express some of the differences. What would be the difference between Laura Wells, corporate free Green Party transformational member of Congress versus Barbara Lee, fantastic progressive Democrat 
a member of Congress. What are some of the issues that you would be able to champion that you don't think Barbara Lee is championing? Well, one is a very pretty recent history, but it shows the quality of team player that people need to do, and that's healthcare. We are the wealthiest country, the U.S., the wealthiest country the world has ever known. And we don't have the basics that other countries, other industrialized countries, there are 30 others in the world, they take for granted that they have health care. What happened when Obama was elected in 2008 was that he became president in 2009 and started the trek toward a better health care for the country took immediately, during the discussions, took single payer off the table. Single payer is the style. It's like an improved Medicare for all. It's the style of healthcare that the other countries have taken for granted. I mean, look at the UK. They brought it in when they were devastated after World War II, and nobody's been able to get rid of it. The people want it. So they took that style of healthcare off the table, kept the insurance companies in the loop, came up with an insurance uh, approach which forced people to buy private health insurance. Now, Barbara Lee had been the, the chair, one of the co-chairs of the Progressive Caucus. The Progressive Caucus was not going to sign anything unless it had what they were calling a public option. And the public option would have been like a Medicare that people could choose to do a Medicare style option rather than, uh, and that would, would be adequate for them to, you know, they, they were needed to sign up for some insurance or they'd get fined. So that would make, have them give them insurance and they would uh, avoid the fine. So the robust public option. Now keep in mind that when Obama was first elected, he had 60% in both houses of Congress. The demand was, well, we want to get Obama elected, but we need majorities in both houses. Then they got majorities. Well, we need filibuster proof. We got filibuster proof, 60%, both houses. The robust public option was something that without that, the Progressive Caucus was not going to sign on. And then it became a me, well, you know, some kind of public option. Well, it became, okay, so a weak public option. But meanwhile, if it's there, that can help but move the country toward the single-payer health care that, that uh, so many people were advocating for. It came out with no public option. It was all private insurance. And the Progressive caucus signed on except the last holdout was Dennis Kucinich and he had to be taken up into the presidential jet who knows what you know transpired up there but when he came down he decided that he would go along with his team and sign on to Obamacare and let's keep in mind that Dennis Kucinich in the very next uh reapportionment his his district Democrats and Republicans in the state of Ohio agreed to basically eliminate his seat, forcing him to run against another progressive African-American woman. Uh, they literally uh, eliminated his seat. So the the, the power of the Democratic Party uh, is actually pretty strong. And one of the things I often say, Laura, is it's important to remember that individuals rarely change institutions 
it's almost always the case that institutions change individuals. Yes. Well, and, and look, you know, here's the, there's another uh, another example that's a little bit more recent and even and also very pertinent to the district that Barbara Lee comes from. And that is that when Bernie Sanders uh, and actually it was Bernie Sanders supporters that took the country by storm. I think even Bernie Sanders was surprised at the enormous support he got, particularly from young people. It was an inspiration to hear somebody talk about democratic socialism, you know, just even the word socialism and to really rail against the, um, the problems that we have in this country of like the housing and healthcare and, and, higher education with students ending up in with student debt and uh, and no job and reduced job opportunities and the increased militarization of both the world and the and the local police okay so bernie sanders had a lot of support as a matter of fact in the democratic primary in june 2016 got a majority of the district's vote barbara lee was not, she stayed on the fence. So she was not even pushing that envelope when her district was very strong about Bernie Sanders. And then what happened after that, the summer of 2016, was when a lot of young people got what I think amounted to a PhD in the inner workings of the Democratic Party leadership and they took the Dem exit and came to the Green Party because they could see that Bernie's ideas were not even incorporated as you would have expected they would have been since he was such a strong challenge uh, into the platform. And I say even into the platform because the platform is a bunch of words, the the Democratic Party leadership doesn't necessarily take all that seriously when they're making policy. You know, what's in the platform doesn't always come out on the floor in uh, Congress. So Folks, that- you're, you're listening to Laura Wells, candidate for Congress in California District 13. She's challenging Barbara Lee. I'm your host, David Cobb. This is a green way forward. I'm going to encourage folks, if you're watching live on Facebook, please make sure to share this on your own pages and any uh, groups or pages that you manage. If you're listening to this on a podcast, make sure to share this podcast. And I'll ask everyone listening, please go to the website, agreenwayforward.org and sign up so you can find out about upcoming candidates, uh, upcoming campaigns, uh, upcoming guests, just the things that we've got going on. I'll also encourage you, if you have a comment or a question to Laura, please type it into the comments. Executive producer Michael O'Neill will be harvesting particularly interesting comments or questions, uh, and we'll try to get Laura's thoughts on them. For example, uh, Etta has written in uh, to say, um, uh, uh, the right-wing PACs have us convinced that the public that anything is not possible. We are one of a handful of countries worldwide that doesn't provide national health care. And now education due to charter schools. What are your thoughts about Edda's comments, Laura Wells? Well, so the unfortunately, it's not just the right wing packs. That is the problem is that we have look at California. 
California is a democratic state. It's just blue through and through. And we don't have uh, health care, single payer health care. We have an education system that used to be the envy of certainly the country, if not the world, world class education at a low at no tuition at available to people who did the work. They could go to college. They could get out without student debt. We don't have that. And so when you look at the country and you look at the, the two-party system and the presidency changing hands every, you know, four years or four to eight years goes back and forth, it's been a steady decline no matter which party is in, is in the Oval Office. And that's every four years, things have gotten tougher, especially when you look at it from the point of view of our next generations. This and you know, Laura, it's important to remember that in California, Democrats have been in control of the governor's mansion uh, and both the state assembly and the state senate. And with health care, it's particularly galling to me because in the one brief moment where there was a Republican governor, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Democrats in control of the Senate and the House were able to pass a single-payer statewide uh, proposed legislation that Schwarzenegger vetoed. But now that there is a Democrat, Jerry Brown, uh, in the governor's mansion, somehow the Democrats have it hung up in committee and it can't even get out of subcommittee. So they really are playing a game, aren't they? It's been very deliberately stopped, you know, so it was put Schwarzenegger was right up front with the fact that he would veto it. So they put it on his desk and he was he he was a little fewer than eight years in office and they put it on his desk twice and they didn't put it on Jerry Brown's at all. And he has and even though he doesn't actually come out and say, uh, I'm totally against it. They know it. And that's the problem with the team plane. And that's the problem with the fact that there are two parties and they, and the billionaires and corporations can buy out both parties. When you've got a billion bucks, you know, it's hard. You can't actually buy enough jet planes and islands and parties to use up all that money. What you end up doing is buying power. And the power that they buy primarily is in the form of media and politicians. And of the two, politicians run much cheaper. So when you have a two-party system, you have it sold out. It's t- Both parties are sold out. And I just recently had the realization that if the Democratic Party over the years, I mean, how old, you know, 200 and some, you know, 240 years old we are, and how old is the Electoral College And why, if, let's just imagine this, if the Democratic Party, which has often had the popular support, more popular support than the Republicans, even when they didn't have as much money, uh, if the Democratic Party had spent as much time fighting the Electoral College and getting rid of the Electoral College rather than fighting the horrors of people going to the Green Party, this new party that doesn't take corporate money and that has the intact values. And and by intact, I mean knowing that they're all related, the same way that Martin Luther King knew that poverty was related to 
prejudice and, and knew that, that that was related to war, knew that those things were all interrelated. That's the way the Green Party is. So the Democrats, and I could give you a lot of ways that the Democratic Party, and I do want to make a distinction between the leadership and the rank and file, but the Democratic Party leadership has fought any alternative. If they had spent that same amount of energy on getting rid of the Electoral College, do you know the world we would have had? Bush W. would not have been, George W. Bush would not have been elected in 2000 because he did not get the popular vote. Trump would not have been elected in 2016 because he did not get the popular vote. Bush so, Laura, got- we've got a lot of comments and questions coming in. I'm going to try to get to a couple of those on this program. John writes in to say, hey, it wasn't just young people, but lifelong Democrats like me that found the Green Party after the 2016 debacle. Uh, comments or questions on longtime Democrats uh, who aren't millennials finally having enough and joining the Greens. Yes, absolutely. And the, and the, my... <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up because there have been among the people who took the Dem exit are some fabulous organizers. And no, they're not all millennials. There's some of them are uh, baby boomers and the greater generation and Gen X and all of that. So a lot of really strong organizers came into the Green Party. And and thank you so much for being one of them. So uh, we've got a couple of uh, you, you've provoked a couple of comments specifically around Barbara Lee. I'm going to clump a couple of them together and ask you to comment. One, Mende writes in to say Barbara Lee has always been a fence rider. But then John, a different John than the prior commenter, uh, a different John writes in to say Barbara Lee cast the only vote against the Afghanistan occupation. Will you give Ms. Lee some credit for that lone vote? Orwell's. Here's the credit. Um, I think that took a lot of courage because even now when people look back at it, it's like, why wouldn't everybody, you know, all Democrats at least have voted against (laughs) unlimited power, you know, excessive power to fight an unending war on terror, that's sort of, at this point, it's almost a no-brainer. At that point, there was Barbara Lee, and I think it was one against 420, and she gave a strong statement. She thoroughly and completely represented her district. You know, and and I will point out that, like, Dennis Kucinich and there, there are others, you know, John Lewis or, you know, other, other congresspeople who may have wanted to do that, and probably wish they had, you know, within a couple of weeks, they wish they had. But the the fear mongering at the time uh, was so strong, and they didn't know for sure that they had their district behind them. Barbara Lee, to her credit, made that courageous stand and and had the confidence that her district, Berkeley, Oakland, and as well as Albany, Albany, Alameda, San Leandro, Piedmont, and Emeryville that did were behind her. We were behind her. I was part of a group that did an I did that uh, met Monday nights, sort of 
everybody was afraid at that time. And, you know, after nine, September 11, 2001, but we were going to create, and we did create a, uh, an appreciation, a Barbara Lee appreciation day. There were greens in the room. There were, there were Democrats, independents, and we appreciated so much that she did that. Yes. Well, thank you for acknowledging that, Laura. I want to make sure we get to a, a couple of more comments or questions. William writes in to ask, what do you think about the new $700 billion military budget that, uh, and the apartheid state of Israel and the attack on Yemen supported by the United States? So a question about U.S. foreign policy and empire for you, Laura Wells. One of the things that I wish we would do immediately, I mean, in my fantasy life, we would change the weapons manufacturer into a nonprofit organ, uh, venture. And I think that wars would end pretty quickly thereafter. The fact that it's a profit-making, an extremely profitable-making, profit-making venture is terrible. Um, so stop supplying weapons. I don't care if we're giving them as foreign aid or selling them or whatever. Stop being the weapons supplier in the Middle East or anywhere else. And start following the United Nations. Stop being one of two countries, whether it's Israel and the U.S. or or just the U.S. or whatever. Stop being a country that foils the wishes of the entire body of nations on this planet. You know, just those two things. Now, again, this is where um, Barbara Lee is going for the authorized use of military force. Now, that is that would be that's a good step that at least the U.S. Congress would authorize the military force. But again, it's not quite enough. What we should stop doing is any military force that isn't sanctioned by our allies around the planet. You know, so yes, push for AUMFs, you know, authorized use of military force rather than just uh, giving the president all this power. But also, so folks, uh, in other words, what Laura Wells is talking about is taking the private motive out of both healthcare and education and the military as well, which I think is a fantastic idea. We've got several other comments coming in. I want to get to Laura Wells. Uh, Lori writes in to ask, what do you think about the idea of Dems winning back the House and making Pelosi Speaker of the House again? Well, do you know what I think? I think that if there were a green in Congress and we've got three green, um, greens running for Congress head to head against incumbent Democrats, let's say that all three of us were to win. There would be three greens. The Green Party is outrageously opposed to Trump policies. We are the true opposition because none of the people that are funding the Trump and his political party are funding the Green Party, whereas some of those that are, are funding him and his party are funding the Democratic Party. So the, the Democrat, the, tem, the, the cause of the Democrats, the reason that the Democrats are stating that they want to have you know, get back the house would be helped by having greens there. A, a great point, Laura Wells. And it brings me to uh, ask you to reflect and comment on Chanel, who is writing in to ask you to talk about your experience working in collaboration with other organizations and rank and file progressive Democrats and how that might help individual Democrats vote green this time. Well, I've done a lot of work. One of, one of the things that we did was, uh, that I'm really proud of was that in 2006, in the city of Oakland, 
we got in ranked choice voting. So you can say, this is my first choice, this is my second choice, and this is my third choice, the same as San Francisco and Berkeley had shortly before that. That was 2006. Another, where Barbara Lee, we were, so the working together in collaboration was with the League of Women Voters. We had Republicans, Independents, Greens, Peace and Freedom, Democrats, of course. You know, we had all sorts of people working together to get that. We wanted Barbara Lee's endorsement because it it's gold. It's gold. <laughs> and so we got it like less than two weeks before the election. We wanted it in the summertime to help convince the city council of Oakland to put it on the ballot so that we wouldn't have to get a gazillion signatures. And and then later they had a celebration that IRV won. We got 69% or something like that. And who was the keynote speaker? Well, it was Barbara Lee. So, Laura, we've got a couple more that I want to make sure to get to. Uh, Jeremy asks, what are your thoughts about this recent McCarthyism regarding Russia? Seems like it may be an attempt uh, uh, for the DNC post-2016. What are your thoughts on this Russia narrative? There, It is a distraction from all of those things that we it, – it, who knows what the what, – effect they had, probably some effect, but the huge effect, when I look, when you look at the counties that went for Obama once or twice in 2008 and 2012, and then flipped to Trump, they flipped to Trump because they didn't get anywhere near what they hoped to get under the Democratic Obama administration. So they thought, okay, let's try the other one because they've been led to believe that there are only two choices. And so that so so to blame Russia rather than the policies that the Democrats brought in when they were in power is something that is that leads us down the it's the path of mass distraction. That's what that is. It's a weapon of mass distraction. What a beautiful turn of the phrase. Laura Wells, candidate for Congress, California 13 against Barbara Lee. Lewis writes in to ask. A really provocative question. I'm interested in hearing this answer. Laura Wells, what is the first thing you would do as a newly elected congressperson? Dig into some of the agreements that we're breaking. You know, just whether it goes way back to the to the treaties that we've made with the indigenous folks and to the agreements that we signed on to the, uh, for climate, you know, for the environmental goals, to the agreements that we have in the United Nations and things like that. You know, first look at those and just say, let's bring let's get up to date with these things. You know, everybody. There's a, there are a lot of new ideas. I mean, yes, get, let's get healthcare. Yes, let's, you know, do something real about the level of debt, both in students and everybody else in this country. But let's start keeping our agreements. Look at folks, you've been, folks, you've been watching and or listening to a green way forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. We've been speaking with Laura Wells candidate for United States Congress on the Green Party ticket in California District 13, running against progressive icon Barbara Lee. Laura has been making her case for why a green is even better. So, Laura, I'm going to give you an opportunity for your final thoughts. 
Okay. Well, I believe, as I've said, sort of pointed to through this out through this half hour, and I want to thank you, David, in case I don't get a chance later. But raise our expectations. We, as um, as Americans in the wealthiest country the world has ever known, raise our expectations so that we expect the basics of housing and healthcare and higher education without student debt. So that we want real justice and and stop spending as much uh, on the military almost as the rest of the world combined in half of our budget. Raise our expectations. What we're doing is not good enough. What's called centrist used to be called conservative. The Democratic Party policies, when they're in power, if they were trans, transposed to, uh, transported to Europe, would be more conservative than the conservative parties of Europe. We've got to raise our expectations and use our voting power. I'm suggesting that people use their voting power, whether they are a fan of Barbara Lee or not, and she has shown courage. Say, I'm voting for Laura Wells, so you can go back to Washington and you can say, hey, they're nipping at my heels. You know, they're, my district is really pushing me. I've got to come out stronger and faster on these things. And that will have just our running is I think it's already doing that. And our winning would be fabulous. And uh, exert pressure. Use vote as pressure. It's a power we can use to bring these things in for our next generation and for ourselves. You know, Laura, I often say to folks, don't waste your vote on corporate candidates. Invest your vote in a movement with the Green Party. So I want to thank you, Laura Wells, for coming on and being a guest. I also want to thank you for running for Congress against Barbara Lee. That itself was a bit of courage. I also want to thank you for your longtime commitment to public banking, uh, to uh, to, to transforming the society. I want to thank you for being a no corporate money candidate for 15 years. Uh, and I want to thank you for just being an awesome human being. I also want to thank Michael O'Neill, executive producer of A Green Way Forward, who does this work every week for no pay. He also is the campaign manager for Howie Hawkins, Green Party candidate for governor. And I promise you folks, we will have Howie Hawkins on this program before this election is out. And lastly, I want to thank you, the viewer listener. The reality is that I know you have to seek this out because believe it or not, the corporate media ignores or undermines conversations like you've heard with Laura Wells, like you hear every week on A Green Way Forward. So my request, my challenge, my invitation to you, share this podcast. Share this live stream. We are building a movement. Each one, teach one. And in the words of Gil Scott Heron, the revolution may not be televised, but it can be brought to you through sources of non-corporately filtered news, information, and analysis like a green way forward. Thanks for what you do. Keep on keeping on. Peace. A Greenway Forward is produced by David Cobb and Michael O'Neill. Go to agreenwayforward.org for links to our podcast feed and iTunes subscription, plus more ways to listen. Our live stream is graciously hosted by the official Dr. Jill Stein Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The music for this episode is Keep Sit Real by Player 2, available under a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.